Good morning. A bit later, we're going to be looking at how God wants us to tell people from all over the world about Jesus and how some of the people that are part of our church family are helping us to do that. They are our global partners. They are part of our church family, but they can't often join us on Sunday mornings because they are living in different places in the world so that they can tell people about Jesus so that people from other countries can know about Jesus too. It's not always easy or fun for our global partners, and I know that they really miss not seeing us every week. So this week's activity, we're going to draw them a picture or write them a letter to tell them that we remember them, that we love them, and that we're praying for them, and then we're going to send it to them. Remember though, if you are writing them a letter, don't forget to be careful not to use words such as church, Bible or Jesus, because some of our global partners live in countries where they're not allowed to be a Christian. So we need to be careful about that. Your parents can help you with that, I'm sure. As you know, if you've joined us at all in the last few weeks, we're currently going through a series, going through our core values at Portsmouth Church. And today we're doing the first in a double Uh, episode on mission. Today we're going to be talking about world mission and next week Lou is going to help us to think about local mission. And so I guess an obvious question would be why do we need to have these two talks? Couldn't we just have one talk on mission? And that question would naturally I guess lead us to reflect why do we focus on world mission at all? Why don't we just focus on mission? Why do we need to try and emphasize the world mission? So let's try and take a look at that question together this morning as well. One of the things that you can't escape as you read the Bible actually is how important world mission is to God. World mission is a central theme as you read the Bible. You'll notice it pops up, well, pretty much anywhere. Right at the start in Genesis from the Old Testament, where God's people, Israel, were meant to be a light to the nations. The Psalms, and we'll talk a bit more about that later. The accounts of Jesus's life in the Gospels, Matthew 28, of course, where Jesus instructs his disciples to make disciples of all nations. There's loads in Acts where God's people go to be Jesus's witnesses to the ends of the earth. Then there's the letters where Paul and others travel around spreading the good news to parts of the world. And then right through to the book of Revelations, where we see that there, people from all nations in heaven, worshipping God together. So you see that world mission isn't a new idea. It's a thread that you can follow throughout the whole Bible. So this morning, there's many places that we could go and we could jump around a bit and uncover some of these great things that we've just mentioned. But rather than jump around this morning... I want us to focus in, and I've chosen Psalm 96 for us to look at together. Psalm 96 is an absolute classic. It's filled with beautiful verses on why we should do world mission. So let's read it together. But before we do, can I encourage you to have a Bible in front of you this morning? We're going to be going through the passage together. You'll find it so much easier to follow if you've got it in front of you. So if you don't already, can I suggest you pause and go and find one? Don't say I didn't warn you. You will find it much easier to follow if you're able to. 
personally, I always find it easier to use uh, a physical Bible. But of course, you know, some people, you may prefer using um, your phone. If you're using your phone this morning, I really recommend the um, airplane mode or just turning off notifications. Maybe it's just me, but I find it impossible to concentrate and really focus on what I'm reading while there's all these notifications going on. And we want to really concentrate, don't we? We want to get a focus on God's word together. So hopefully you've now all had time to find the Bible. So let's delve into Psalm 96 together. And let's try and answer the, the questions together. Why do we need world mission? What's particularly special about world mission? So let's read Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendour and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord. For he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and all the peoples in his faithfulness. So keep that in front of you as we go through. So why do we do world mission? Well, we are instructed to declare God's glory among the nations in verse 3. To declare his marvellous deeds among all peoples. Verse 10 says, To say among the nations, the Lord reigns. So you see that God instructs us to do this world mission. So that's helpful as we think about the question, why do we do world mission? Because God asks us to. But helpfully, actually, God goes further. God explains to us why he instructs us to. And why is that? Verse 8. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. God is so magnificent, wonderful, praiseworthy. It is right. 
it's correct. You could say it's appropriate that people from all nations, all backgrounds, all different languages bow and worship him and give him the glory he is due. The Lord made the heavens. All other gods, it says, are idols and worthless in comparison. So we are to declare God's glory to the nations because it's glory that God is due. But there's a second reason as well. Secondly, to bring joy to the nations. This text doesn't ask us to declare his terrible, his really sad deeds among all peoples. But rather it says, doesn't it, his marvellous, splendid, wonderful deeds among all peoples. What God does is marvellous. Verse 11, let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad. And other translations, they translate it as let the nations be glad. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation, all creation, including every nation, every people group, rejoice before the Lord. For he comes, he comes, he will judge the earth, restore it and put it right. We have marvellous news, don't we? Can you see? The nations, they need to know. There are still to this day groups around the world who've never heard or had the opportunity to hear about Jesus. They're what we call unreached people groups. Think about that for a second. There are still people today in the world who don't know about God's marvellous deeds. So, in answer to the question, why world, me- why world mission? Why this emphasis on the world? Well, because it's important to God. God instructs us to declare his glory to the nations, to tell them about his marvellous deeds. So that God gets the glory that he's due, and so that the earth and every nation may rejoice and be glad. So we've seen that God asks us to declare his glory among the nations and we've even seen why. But how do we do that? I want you to have a think uh, about it together now. How might we, you know, us, people part of Portsmouth Church right here based in Southampton, how might we declare God's glory among the nations? It's not a trick question. There are lots of uh, possible and creative answers. Have a think. Talk to the people that you're watching the service with, um, either in your household or over WhatsApp or Zoom or however. And um, let's see later if the suggestions that you've come up with are the same uh, as the ones that I have. So have a think. Okay, welcome back. Let's see if um, what you've answered to the question earlier um, is similar to the things that I've come up with. So the question was, how might we, you know, people of Portsmouth Church based here in Southampton, declare God's glory among the nations? And uh, so here are some of my answers. 
As I say, there are lots of answers possible. Well, my first answer is that the nations are here in Southampton. We have people from all over the world right here with us. Work colleagues, neighbours, students, you know, Friends International and the Christian Union. Do a great job among the, um, the international students here in Southampton. So one of the ways to reach people from all over the world to be involved in world mission is to speak to the people right here. You know, our neighbours, our colleagues, mums and dads at the school gates. More than ever before, we have an opportunity right on our doorsteps. Secondly, well, we can go on short-term mission trips. It might be a little bit tricky in the current present circumstances, but uh, mission trips, uh, mission organisations are always organising uh, mission trips. If you're able to take some time off over the summer, or um, it's a really great way to serve God and open your eyes to what he's doing around the world. If this sounds interesting, but uh, you've never done this or anything like this before, you wouldn't know how to, then please do uh, chat to me or anyone else from the um, WEAT team, the World Engagement Action Team. We'd love to help you. Thirdly, well, we can, of course, go on longer, longer mission trips. Is God calling you, asking you to lay it all down and follow him? Your initial answer to this might be, well, OK, but not, not, not me. You know, I couldn't do that. Remember that feeling, not feeling qualified is rarely an excuse for God. God tends to use people that he can work through and demonstrate what he can do rather than the super amazing qualified people who can demonstrate what they can do. And then the last answer that I've got written down is that we can partner with our global partners, as we said earlier. What does that mean? Well, as I was saying, at Portsmouth Church, we have members of our church family who are currently living abroad in order to declare God's glory to the nations. Perfect. So that's what we were looking for, isn't it? So that's fine. We can outsource world mission then. We needn't worry anymore. As long as some people in our church are getting on with it, that will do work, right? Well, not quite. If you remember, I called it a partnership with them. They're global partners. And that means we're part of it. What does that actually mean? And what does that look like? What do you think of when you think of partnering a missionary? I know for some people, if you receive lots of uh, missionary emails, newsletters and such like, well, maybe partnering makes you feel a bit guilty about all those emails that you've got building up that you haven't had a chance to read yet and you just need to get around to it. Or maybe you think of missionaries as people who are, you know, they come back to visit us at church every few months. You don't really know them and they certainly don't know you. Or maybe you feel of well, mission is, well, it's another thing, isn't it? Is that another extra thing that we need to think about? We've already got plenty on our plate. You know, maybe that's something that we can leave to the wheat team and to the mission partners to worry about, right? Well, that's not really, it doesn't really sound like a partnership though, does it? Being on a mission field, being a missionary can be very hard at times and feel like a very lonely place. I did hear someone say that, you know, it must be nice to be a missionary and have such a clear sense of, of purpose. But the reality is that often missionaries struggle to know if they really are where they're meant to be and doing what God wants them to do. 
We are in an age with better technology to keep in touch with people across the world than ever before. And yet it still seems to me that partnerships with global partners is something that the church, and I just don't just mean our church, could really improve on. So what could partnerships really look like? Well, the Bible actually has a ton to say about long distance partnerships in the gospel. You know, the letters in the New Testament, um, the letters to the churches in the New Testament are full of missionaries traveling around, partnering and writing to the churches. So there's loads actually that we can learn. So I want us to take a look at the book of Philippians together. Philippians is a letter between Paul and the believers in Philippi. And I want us to take a closer look at um, chapters one. We're going to look at verses three to eight and then Philippians 4, 10 to 20, a few pages later on. And let's pay really close attention to anything that hints to Paul's relationship with the people of Philippi and anything that we might be able to learn from it. So let's read Philippians um, 1, starting in chapter 1, 3 to to 8. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ. And then um, if you just flip the page to chapter four, starting at verse 10 to verse 20. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not showing this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is uh, is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. 
And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's try and pick some of the things that we can learn about Paul's partnership with the people in Philippi, shall we? Firstly, I noticed um, in the first chapter a, a deep, deep love and affection. Did you see that? The verses we read in chapter one, they, they almost sounded a bit like a, a bit of a love letter, didn't they? Paul talks about his feelings for them. It's almost a bit soppy. He has them in his heart. He longs for them in verse eight. In verse three, Paul thanks God when he remembers them and their partnership in the gospel. There is that deep love between Paul and the church in Philippi. Secondly, we see that the church in Philippi, they have concern. Did you say that in verse 10? In, sorry, back in chapter 4, verse 10. And they share Paul's troubles. In Paul's troubles, verse 14. They are concerned for Paul. They worry for him. They are implicated by Paul's situation. So they share in Paul's troubles. Paul's troubles become their troubles. The things that are on Paul's minds, Paul's mind are on their minds too. So that's the second one. They have concern for Paul. Thirdly, it goes beyond just being concerned. It says that they provide aid. They come to Paul's need and they pray for one another. The passage mentions gifts, giving and receiving. The people in Philippi come to Paul's needs and gave when he had needs. We also see that Paul prayed for them in chapter one. And I think we can probably assume that they prayed for him too. So there is giving and providing of aid in this relationship. And lastly, and this is interesting, in verse 17 of chapter, chapter four, we see that their support is credited to them. Now that's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Credited to them. Now let's take a look at verse 18. I think that helps us a bit to understand a bit better. Verse 18 says that their gifts are like a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. As they give, as they share concern, God is pleased. It's like a, a beautiful offering, beautiful fragrant offering. Okay, so as we reflect on this quite incredible relationship here that Paul has with the church here, how might we learn from it in our relationship with global partners? How might we have a partnership that is like a fragrant offering in God's sight? So let's go through Paul's points again and see what they might mean for us. So firstly, we said that there was that deep love, didn't we? That longing for Paul's uh, that Paul talks about. Well, maybe this is a bit controversial and feel free to, to disagree with me on this. But I think that if we are to have this deep level of connection, that deep love and partnership like Paul talks about here, I think it's simply not possible to have that with six, seven, eight or whoever, however many number global partners. In my opinion, if we I think we have to be selective. Choose a, choose a global partner, someone that you love or a project that you're excited about. I think unsubscribe from, other, from the others. Focus on one and give that relationship your time, your effort and your concern. 
Okay, if you're a pro or you feel like you have capacity to handle more than one, maybe you can have two or three. But my point is, I think if we're to have this depth of relationship that Paul describes here, I think we need to be selective. Secondly, we saw that the church were concerned and shared in Paul's troubles. How can we increase our concern and share in the troubles of our global partners? Let me share with you a trick that I like to do. Reply to every email newsletter. That shouldn't be too hard if, as we said in point one, we're only subscribed to one or two. Why do I reply? Well, firstly, it will deepen that relationship and encourage dialogue. And then it will also encourage our global partner that someone is reading their newsletter. But also, it'll force you to read the newsletter. If you're reading it with the view of applying it, you can't skim it. You can't skim read. You'll need to read more attentively. Make sure that you've got the details correct. And that will help you to remember what you've read in the newsletter too. Keep in touch regularly too. If you really do share in the troubles, you'll want to know the things that, you've, uh, that you're concerned about and praying for, how they're going. Use WhatsApp. All our global partners are on WhatsApp. We can so easily share photos or short instant messages during the day to get the latest update or things that we can be praying for that are happening right now. Set yourselves reminders or something about around your house that will help you remind you to be in touch. Maybe print a photo if that helps you, whatever you need to do. I think that's what being concerned and sharing in troubles would look like. And lastly, the church in Philippi provide aid and gifts. They meet Paul's needs. There are financial gifts, of course. As a church, we support our global partners financially. But that doesn't usually cover all of our missionary budget's needs. And you may find it helpful, too, for you, as part of strengthening your own implication and involvement in a partnership. When you next get round to it, to going for your budget, to choose to support a global partner with your personal finances too. But there are other ways, of course, that we can give too, as we deepen our partnerships with our global partners. The Spirit may prompt us in ways that we can be giving. And let's not forget or underestimate a really important way in which we can support. Praying for our global partners in their situation or things that are happening. I think there's a danger that as our global partners aren't around, sort of out of sight, out of mind, they say, we may forget to pray for them sometimes. Let's make a real commitment to pray for them regularly. Set yourself a reminder, put it in your prayer diary. Make sure that we pray for them regularly. Print off the prayer points, stick them to your fridge, whatever you've got to do. But make sure that you do pray. Because we believe that when we pray, we will see God at work. And many of our global partners could really do with God, with seeing God at work. What about this morning if you've not yet signed up to receiving um, news from a global partner? And this morning has made you, you know, want to become part of a partnership. Well, can I encourage you, please email us at wheat, so W-E-A-T, at portswood.org.uk and say you want to become a partner of a global partner. 
And then we'll take it from there. We'll help you choose the right global partner or project. You've seen some of them today. And we'd love to help you. So please, please just email us. We'd love to hear from you. So how might we, how might I, how might you be part of declaring God's glory among the nations? We saw one of the ways we can do that is to be in this exciting partnership with our global partners. How exciting it would be if our partnerships resembled that partnership that we read about between Paul and the church in Philippi. That deep love, that longing for one another, that concern and sharing of troubles, that giving and meeting of our global partners' needs in a way that resembles a beautiful fragrance to God. Partnership with our global partners as they are involved in declaring God's marvellous deeds to the nations so that God may have the glory he is due and the nations may rejoice. That's what we want to be part of.